The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high, and shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer, not just a hearer. Today, I'll learn from God's Word, and my life will never be the same. Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. Well, we want to welcome you to church, and uh, we also want to take this opportunity to welcome those of you who are watching uh, us online. Welcome to church. Amen. This is the fully booked service, so I'm expecting some fire in this service. Amen. Man, it looks like we may have to add a third service if if things remain the way they are uh, in terms of the limits uh, of the people that are allowed in the building at Uh, one particular time together, but we thank God for that. Just uh, another reminder is that the marriage class is a virtual class, so you get to uh, meet on Zoom, as well as the new members class is going to be a virtual class, so you get to meet on Zoom. So if you didn't uh, get to attend any of those two classes and you're planning to, uh, please be sure to uh, register with the uh, uh, ushers outside at the sign-up desk. Amen. Well, we've been talking about as a man thinketh in his heart, uh, so is he. Uh, That's what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter number 23, uh, verse 7. It says, as you think in your heart, uh, so are you. And so we see from that passage of scripture uh, that you are a representation or the things that happen in your life are actually a representation of your dominant thoughts. So the thoughts that dominate you are going to be manifested through uh, what manifests uh, in your life. Amen? Uh, So we can change our thoughts if we want to change our lives, which is a blessing. And we also learned in Romans chapter number 12, verse 2, that the Apostle Paul repeats the same thought. He says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be ye what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you are able to prove. That word prove uh, means to manifest what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And we were saying in the first service, and this is a powerful truth, that God's will for you is always good. God's will for his children is always acceptable and it is always uh, perfect. If you read uh, the promises of God, they're always good for you. We were singing a song about a good, good father. Uh, We see Jesus ministering uh, in Luke chapter number 15 about a good, good father. Remember the story commonly known as the story of the prodigal son? I actually like to call it the story of the good, good father. Because Jesus was trying to reveal to us how our father, our heavenly father, loves us unconditionally. Because think about it. This guy, prodigal son, commonly known. I mean, he's doing crazy things. He took the father's inheritance uh, to a far country and he wasted it through riotous living. I mean, this guy didn't waste it through bad investment. It was through partying and and spending it on crazy things. And he wasted all that money, got a job to look after pigs, uh, uh, came back to the father, and the father still accepted him. In fact, uh, the father just didn't accept him. He accepted him and restored him back to sonship immediately. 
Scripture says the father ran out, hugged him and kissed him and loved him. Uh, on him. Why? Because our Heavenly Father is a good, good Father. If you read in the book of James, uh, we are also reminded that every good, someone say good. good. He says every good and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness or shadow of turning. So our Heavenly Father is a good, good Father. And if there is a place we need to start renewing our minds, it, it is in the area of understanding the true nature of this Father. God is not the one that's sending sickness to try and get people's attention. God is not the one that's behind coronavirus. God is not the one that's behind the ills of the world. Amen. He sent Jesus to be a remedy to the ills of the world. He is not the one sending them. In fact, it says of Jesus when he walked on the earth, if you read Acts 10 verse 38, it says how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power, and he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So good is the healing. Good is not the oppression. And Jesus went manifesting this true nature of our heavenly father which is goodness good things god wants you and i uh to uh live our lives manifesting the good of his will can i get an amen and so these are some of the things we need to start renewing our minds and last week uh we went into spirit soul and body uh we established that the real you is a spirit amen, amen. amen. the real you is not your body the real you is your spirit the real you is not your gender it is not your nationality. Amen? The real you is that you are a spirit being. And if people started relating this way, there wouldn't be any discrimination or prejudices in the world. You know why? Because people would relate to each other based on their true nature. The Apostle Paul even had to say in the book of Galatians, now that we are redeemed, there is neither male nor female. You know why? Because in your spirit, there is no gender. God, that's why he calls all of his children both a female and male, he calls all of them sons. Yes. He has given a spirit of sonship on all of us, regardless of gender. You know why? Because ultimately, God wants you to tap into this spirit of sonship to the point where you can also begin to receive of his inheritance. Yes. So God just calls you sons. He doesn't even call you Gentile or Jew. There's neither Gentile nor Jew nor Greek. There's just sons and the spirit of sonship and because God wants ultimately all of us to receive because it is sons who receive an inheritance from their father. Amen. And so we uh, establish that you are a spirit. That's the real you. You possess a soul and you live in a body. Amen. And the order is always spirit, soul, and body. You know why? Because life is supposed to be lived from the inside out. I say it's supposed to be lived from the inside out because some live life from the outside in. They determine their inward uh, uh, condition based on what's going on around them. So you should never ever say body, soul, and spirit. No, it's always spirit, soul, and body. This is the primary, the foremost is the real you. Amen? Right. Amen? Amen. Man, you can deal with the insecurities of life. If you knew who you really were. I'm a spirit. Can I get an amen? amen. And that's how you, you begin to uh, 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 walk in victory. When you understand who you really, really are. And we also uh, uh, learned last week that Romans 8 uh, verse 6 
says that to be uh, carnally minded produces what? Death. And to be spiritually minded produces life and peace. And in your soul, this is where your mind, your will, and your emotions are. I didn't uh, 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 break this down uh, in the first service uh, a little further, but just to uh, let you know, we're going to be measuring on the mind. But one thing that's also in your soul is your will. And what we're talking about, uh, your will there, we're talking about your freedom to uh, make choices. How many of you know that we are uh, what I like to call uh, free will moral agents? God has blessed every single one of us human beings with the ability to choose. And in fact, it's the single most distinction between you and the animal kingdom. It's the only thing that distinguishes us from the animal kingdom. It is... Uh, uh, we can make choices. Birds can't make choices. They've been uh, making the same uh, nest structure for the past, I don't know, 6,000 years. You'll never bump into a zebra in a, in a salon asking for a different uh, pattern. You know, I'm tired of these stripes. Can I get a check, check? <laughs> no, you never bump into a zebra asking for a different pattern. You know why? He does not have free will. He lives by what is called instinct. Amen? But you and I can make a choice. And whatever choice we make, God will let us have it. That's why your choices should be informed by God's word. He said in Deuteronomy 30 verse 19, I've set before you when life and death, blessing and cursing, you choose life so that you and your seed uh, may live. So we have the privilege, it's an Awesome, awesome privilege that God has given his children. It comes with a huge responsibility, but it's an awesome privilege that gives us the ability to make choices in life. And all of this determine our emotions, how we get to feel. Amen? I said amen. Whatever you focus your mind on is going to determine how you feel. But that's not the story for today. The story for today is... This is who you really are, but a lot of people are not in touch with their true identity because it is not readily at their disposal. You know, you can't see entities of spirit in your mirror when you look at yourself to see who you really are. And because of that, they just never take time out to really find out who they are in their spirit. Amen? Uh, this is easy because you can just pick up a mirror and you can uh, look at yourself. You can start relating to uh, things based on your five senses and you'll be able to tell uh, uh, where you're at, you know, with regards to your five senses. You can look at what you see with these physical eyes, yet God wants you to also see with your spiritual eyes. Amen? Amen? Amen. And so today, we're going to show you how to start seeing life through who you really are, your spirit. That's what we're going to be talking about, not your body. We ultimately want to get you to a place where you walk by faith, and not by sight. Amen? Amen? When the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, uh, we walk by faith and not by sight, that word sight is not talking about these eyes. Amen? Amen. You know, with your face mask, he doesn't want you to get eye mask. <laughs> Blindfold yourself so you can 
stop walking by sight. That's not what he's saying. When he says we walk by faith and not by sight, that word sight here is speaking of the five senses. Amen? Or your circumstances, what's going on around you. So when we say we walk by faith and not by sight, we are saying we walk by the word of God. And not by what is determined by the five senses. Amen? What that means is, you don't, let, you don't deny your five senses uh, the opportunity to inform you of life. You just don't give your five senses and circumstances the authority to determine how life is going to be lived. You reserve that for God's word. Because your eyes may tell you, I mean with these eyes, your eyes may tell you we are outnumbered. You remember the story of Elisha? They're surrounded by the Syrian armies. We sing songs about that. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Don't know the song about that? He, with these eyes, if you looked with these eyes, with the five senses, walking by sight, man, they were completely outnumbered. I mean, it was just the two of them, Elisha and Gehazi, his servant. And it was the Syrian armies. Thousands upon thousands of them. And if he had walked with these eyes, guess what? They would have been defeated for to be carnally minded is death. But I like Elisha. Elisha says, Lord, I pray that you may open his eyes. What eyes was he talking about? Eyes of the word. Eyes of faith. And when he began to see with the eyes of faith and with the eyes of the word, he began to see that those who were with them were greater and more than those who were against them. Man, we have a choice in every situation, whether to look at life through the five senses and the lens of limitation, and to look at life uh, 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 through your bank account. And if you look at life through your bank account, the numbers will speak to you. 200 rand. You can turn it around, it will still be 200. You turn it around, you turn it around. It's still going to be 200. And if you choose to live based on what you have in your bank account, I don't care how much you have. You're going to be limited. Amen? Amen? You may be a billionaire, but there are certain things that God may do in your life that go way beyond your money. Hallelujah! There was a woman uh, called the woman with the issue of blood in the Bible. And this woman, uh, 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 she had tried to uh, get healed for about 12 years. She was sick. 12 years, she was sick. And she had a little bit of cash, you know. So she started uh, spending that cash going to physicians. But the Bible says at that point, after 12 years, man, she had spent everything that she had. Probably sold the house. Amen? Probably sold uh, the car. Probably sold the children. <laughs> and she was trying. Amen? Sold everything. Went to the physician. Still couldn't get a solution. But scripture says... Then she heard about Jesus. She heard about the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. Jesus is the Word. She heard the Word. And that Word brings faith. That's what Scripture says. It says, so then, faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. She heard the Word. That's Romans 10, 17, if you're writing down notes. She heard the Word, and when she heard it, something got stirred up on the inside of her, and she said, you know what? I'm going to press through, and I'm going to touch the hem of his garment, and I shall be healed. 
because of the word that she had, she moved from walking carnally. And she started walking by faith. And because she was walking by faith, scripture says virtue flowed out of Jesus and she received a healing immediately. Her body dried up, the floor dried up, and she was healed immediately. And this is what fascinates me. Jesus turned around and said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. He didn't say my power. You know why? Because his power is always available. It is always ready. The power of God is by grace. It's available. The power of God is available right now in this building to heal of every sickness and every disease. We just need to connect with it and access it and let it flow into our lives. Amen? Amen. And so you are, the real you is a spirit. That's who you really are. And uh, 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 before you got born again, you were a dead spirit. Amen? You were a non-entity. Hallelujah. Amen. Just dead. Just walking around. You know the, 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 that movie, Dead Men Walking? Man, we still have dead men walking today that need to come alive. Go with me to Ephesians chapter number 2, and I'm going to read from verse 2. Ephesians chapter number 2. Let me read actually from verse 1. I'm reading it in the New King James Bible. Thank you, Jesus. It says in Ephesians 2, verse 1, in the New King James Bible, And you, he made alive. Now, if he made you alive... It means you must not have been alive before he made you alive. I know it's simple mathematics, but it's good. Amen? You, he made you alive. Who were dead in trespasses and sins. In which you once walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. And the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. When... Uh, you got born again, you literally moved from death to life. Amen? Your spirit was quickened and it came alive. And not only that, God loaded your spirit with all the good stuff. We're talking about good things today. Amen? God loaded your spirit with all the good stuff. Where do we see that? In uh, 2 Peter chapter number 1, verse 3, Scripture tells us that He has given us, according to His divine ability, His divine power, God has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. Amen. And He tells us how we can tap into it. He says through knowledge we can begin to tap into the power uh, of everything that God has given us that flows uh, with, with that, that, that is pertaining to life and godliness. Amen. Amen? What that simply means is everything that pertains or that is consistent with a godly life. The anointing that you need, the power that you need, amen? The prosperity you'll ever need, the healing that you need, God has already preloaded it in, in your spirit. He says he has given us all things. Everything you'll ever need is already present in your spirit. So you are not in lack of anything. You already put the blessings that you'll ever need. They're already in your spirit. When you got born again, man, your spirit became brand new. We read last week, 1 John 4, 17. It says that Jesus is, so are we in this world. Your spirit is exactly identical to Jesus' spirit right now. Man, that's powerful. Amen? I said amen. In fact, let's read another scripture that points to this. Uh, Philemon chapter number 1 verse 6. Philemon 
chapter number 1, verse 6. So you moved from death to life. I love it. Philemon, chapter number 1, verse 6, in the original King James, if you don't mind. This is, uh, uh, Paul is writing to Philemon, and he says, I pray that the communication of your faith, in fact, let's go to verse 5, so that everyone sees. Uh, Having heard of thy life, love and faith which thou hast towards the Lord Jesus and towards all saints, verse 6, that the communication of your faith may become effectual. So the communication or the experience of your faith, that's what that word communication means. It says the experience of your faith can become effectual by the acknowledging. So you and I have to acknowledge something. Amen? If this faith is going to become effectual, we have to acknowledge something. Now, brothers and sisters, what I'm getting ready to present to you, that you must acknowledge is heavy, heavy, heavy. And my prayer is that you may just receive the Bible like it is, literally. He says if your faith is going to become effectual, if your faith life is going to be full of fruit, remember that's our objective, to get you to be fruitful, not to get you to be religious. And we know a lot of religious folk that are not fruitful. Just being religious is not going to help you. Just being able to pray through the beads. That's not going to help you. Man, you're going to have to do this. Let the communication of thy faith become effectual by acknowledging. The word acknowledging means by accepting this knowledge. It's a compound word, two words put together. Accept this knowledge. That's what it means to acknowledge. He says you may acknowledge, you may accept this knowledge. What knowledge, Pastor T? Of every good thing which is in Pretoria. Of every good thing which is in Lagos, Nigeria. (laughs) Of every good thing which is in the prophet. And the prophet's anointing. No, he says of every good thing, you must acknowledge, of every good thing which is in you. Every good thing is already in you. That word every in the Greek means every. Amen. (laughs) That's what it means. Every good thing. Man, every good thing is in here. What do you consider good? Healing? Do you consider that good? It's already in here. The anointing, do you consider that good? It's already here. The fruit of the Spirit, do you consider that good? Love, gentleness, so on and so forth. It's already here. Amen. Amen. Every good thing is already on the inside of you. You are not the, 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 the one in deficit trying to attain. You are the one who's already got everything that you'll ever need in life. Man, you have everything. Every good thing is already in your spirit. And all you have to do is to become aware of what's in here. Because let's face it, if Steve Jobs, you know, when he died, uh, 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 you know, if, if he left a will... And your name happens to be in that will. How many of you know that you will never, ever, ever take a a benefit from anything from that will if you never get to hear about it? I mean, if he wrote Tafara Butai one billion in that will, hallelujah, praise the Lord. 
that's a good thing. But how many of you know that it would never benefit me if I never hear about it? And I'll be right here going to Sister Nyama with Pastor Henry and them when I could be on a private jet somewhere. <laughs> so ignorance is not going to help you. Man, you need to know what's in here. You need to know what Jesus has already paid for and put in your spirit so you can start taking full advantage of it. Remember what he said in Hosea 4 verse 6? He said, my people. That's what's so awesome about that verse is that he didn't say the unbelievers. He didn't say the people next door. He said, my only kids, my kids, my people, they are perishing. Can you imagine God even admitting that his own kids are perishing? He says, my people, they perish because they lack knowledge. Knowledge of what? Knowledge of what they have, what they already have. This is, you must spend numerous amounts of time studying the covenant, the new covenant. That's what we call it. From the book of Romans all the way to the book of Jude. Those epistles, that's what we call them, uh, a detail what has already been paid for and what rightfully belongs to you. For example, I could pick chapter number 8 of the book of Romans. Right at the start, it says there is no longer uh, a condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So right there I know, hey, in my spirit, I have no condemnation. So I have no guilt in my spirit. You know what I have? Freedom. But guess what? You can live your life condemned, your entire life condemned about the mistakes that you have made because you just never get to hear about it. Verse 11 of that same chapter says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is on the inside of you. And if that same spirit is on the inside of you, it will quicken your mortal bodies. It will make your bodies come alive. Amen? In that same chapter, in verse 28, it says all things shall work together for your good. In that same chapter, in verse 31, he begins to talk about the love of God and nothing that will be able to separate you from this kind of love. Or oh, before we even finish off with verse uh, 37, in verse 26, he says, uh, you have the spirit on the inside of you that will help you to pray when you know not what you should pray for. And you will make groanings with intercession. Amen. And in verse 37, he says, nay, you know, these things, we are what? More than conquerors. Guess what? You need to know who you is, better known as I. And I'm just letting you know who I am. I'm not condemned. I'm loved unconditionally. I'm just letting you know who I am. I get to pray. When I don't know what to pray for, I get to pray through groanings that cannot be uttered. You know what? What else? I have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead on the inside of, oh, you arrogant thing. That's what some of you say because you just don't know who you are. Let me show you something else that you are, uh, that may shock you. Mark chapter number 16, verse 17. Are you ready to take the word of God literally? Amen. You know, the word of God should never uh, be read metaphorically. There are some verses that will, you know, speak to us metaphorically. But most of the Bible, man, you should just take it the way it is. Amen. And when you do... Man, you get a great deal of benefit from it. Watch what he says in Mark 16, 17. This is Jesus speaking about you. And he said, uh, and these signs shall follow them that believe. Anybody believe in the house this morning? Let me see. Any takers? Are there any believers? Oh, I see a few hands down, but everybody else, yeah, some believers in the house. Amen. Now, here's what Jesus is saying about you if you believe. He says there's some signs and there's some wonders 
that are meant to follow you. And these signs and wonders that are meant to follow you is the first one is in my name. Someone say in Jesus' name. What makes it so awesome is you're not using your name. Because there is no power in your name. There is nothing in your name. So Jesus starts off this by saying, in my name. Now let me show you what you can do. He said, in my name, they shall cast out devils. How many believe they can cast out devils? Oh man, we have a radical church here. Amen? And this that I'm reading is not for the fivefold, it's not for the chosen, frozen, it's not for the heavily anointed. The ones that are just dripping with oil, just, you know, what are you doing? I'm just heavily anointed. No, it's not for them. It's for any believer that chooses to believe it. It says believers shall cast out devils. And you know what's so easy about casting out a devil? All you need is one word. Puma. Let's practice. Puma. Notice I didn't say, please, may you leave. Puma. That's all you need. When a devil starts tormenting you or your family members, one word, Puma, in Jesus' name. You know the way you kick out a dog? Man, my, my greatest fear is to be in London somewhere. And then a dog attacks that doesn't understand Puma. Puma, and the dog keeps coming. Hey, Puma. I have to use a different language. <laughs> but the devil understands Puma. Yeah. Yeah. And when you tell him to go, he has no choice. He has to go. Right. Amen? Amen? Every single one of us have been qualified. When you got born again, you were qualified to be an exorcist. Yeah. Mm. Amen. That's good. You can walk around and kick devils out of people. Oh, kick devils out of workplaces. Because you have that authority. He says, in my name, they shall cast out devil. They shall speak with new tongues. Watch, it, watch what else they'll be able to do. Next verse. They shall take up serpents. He's not talking about snake handling. He's talking about, you know, if any danger comes your way, you'll be able to navigate it and still come out unhurt. And he says, if they, this one is powerful. This one you need. I don't care who you are. He says, if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. I want to add if they eat it too. Some of you went to get coffee. This may qualify. This, you may need this verse. Some of you went to get coffee at the, between the first and the second service. Hey, you may need this verse. It says if they drink any deadly poisonous thing. We don't even have to go to poison. Just some of the food we eat right now, you need faith to be eating that food. Amen? I mean, it's messed up. We were watching a documentary the one time they were interviewing uh, this CEO of one uh, famous beverage that almost everyone in here likes to drink. And the CEO admittedly, uh, on TV, he said, uh, we put 20 teaspoons of sugar in a can of 330. Man, you need this verse. <laughs> Amen? And I'm telling you, you need this verse. Man, I'm not saying don't drink, uh, don't enjoy... Uh, uh, um, uh, that beverage on a nice hot day like today, enjoy it, but stand on this verse while you're drinking it. I'm not saying don't eat Krispy Kreme. I like Krispy or Dunkin' Donuts. Man, I like Donuts. But stand on this verse. Amen? It says if they drink any deadly poisonous thing, it shall not hurt them. 
Now, this is the powerful one. They shall lay hands on the sick. And what happens? The sick shall recover. Now, if they are the ones doing the laying on of hands, they must not be the ones that are sick. That's who you are in your spirit. Man, we've been living way below our covenant rights and privileges. You know, the first thing that comes to mind when someone tells me they're sick, it's not the nearest clinic to where we are. It's these hands. He didn't even say when they pray for the sick. Did you see that? He just said when they lay their hands on them, the sick have no choice but to recover. Man, you need to renew your mind to the point where the first thing that comes to your mind when someone around you say they're sick is not chloroquine. <laughs> it's your hands. You should be able to say, make way. I'm a believer. I'm the believer. I was created for this. Come over here. Hey, what's wrong? You know, just like doctors, what's wrong? Get, a, get, a, get, a, get some feedback from them. Lay your hands on them and find out how do you feel right now. Amen? Because you have power. It's not reserved. I know over the years, 2,000 years of the church, uh, uh, we have relegated that to just the pastors. It's only the pastor that must be anointed to do these things. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, any believer, if you get born again today, you should be able to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. But you have to renew your mind and see what's in your spirit and start to believe it. Man, we should be spending numerous amounts of time looking at this dude here and not at this guy here. Because this guy here, he's going to uh, send some, some signals that have problems. If you're just looking at your body, man, you're going to limit yourself. In fact, if someone asks you who you are, who you really are, if someone walks up to you and says, who are you? If your first port of call is over here, you don't really know who you are. Who are you? Oh, well, I'm black. Well, I'm a woman. Well, I'm a man. Well, I'm a this and I'm a that. Man, that's not who you are. Who are you? I'm God's creation. I'm God's workmanship created for good works. I'm a born-again believer. Amen? That's who I really am. And when you start going with this dude right here, man, victory is going to happen automatically. Everywhere you look, you're just going to see yourself uh, winning in life. Can I get an amen? And so how do we look at this guy? Because, I mean, how am I going to look at this guy? Let's go to James chapter number 1. And we're going to read from verse 22. James chapter number 1, verse 22. Man, time flies when you're having fun. Amen. It says in James chapter number 1, verse 22, But be ye doers of the word. Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. So there is a temptation. Uh, if you just hear the word and you don't get to do it or walk in it, there's going to be a huge temptation uh, there for you to deceive your own selves. Amen? Whatever you hear, uh, you need to walk in it. In fact, the Bible definition of knowledge uh, in the mindset of a Jewish person, when you say knowledge, uh, you're talking about something you have walked in, something you have, you have had an apprenticeship in. So to them, knowledge is not what we have uh, this side of the world. You know, you can go to the library in our universities and get a thick volume and then cram 
you know, some of it and then go into a, an examination and regurgitate what you crammed and people will give you a distinction and say you have knowledge. That's not what he's saying here. The Bible kind of knowledge is when you begin to walk the things that you have learned. Otherwise, you're just going to deceive yourselves. Can I get an amen? So he says here, be doers of the word. Start walking in it. Start acting on it. Amen. In fact, Jesus, every single person he healed, he would give them a word to act on. Go and read it. You'd always give them an, a word to, hey, pick up your bed and walk. Because he wants you to act on that word that he's giving you. Amen. I said amen. And so he says here in verse 23, For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man. Someone say a man. Amen. It's interesting that he didn't say a woman. <laughs> he says unto a man, M-A-N, beholding his natural face in a glass or in a mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goes away and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. This is typical with men. Men just look at themselves uh, in a mirror and then when they walk away, they don't even remember what, it was that, what was that about. <laughs> so he doesn't want you to be a man. This is tafari, tafariology, okay? Don't quote this. No, this is me, okay? He wants you to be a, a woman. You know what women do? Women have a great relationship with a mirror. First thing they do when they wake up is go to the mirror and look in the mirror and see if everything is where it was last night, you know, is everything right where it's supposed to be. And then they wash and they go back to the mirror. They look at the mirror and as you're getting ready to leave, uh, they will sit in the passenger's side and then they'll pull out, pull down the visor. There's a little mirror there. The car manufacturers know they have to put a mirror there. So they will look again on the mirror. And then I found out that my wife has a little round thing in a makeup case that if you flip it, it's got, uh, what do you call them? Masca powder. It's got powder on the other side. And on the other side, it's a mirror. And I also found out that the cell phone uh, front-facing camera can be used as a mirror. Look at. And I found out that women have a great relationship with mirrors. If you call for a meeting, hey, there's a meeting in the boardroom. The first thing they want to do is just, you know, just. And I believe that's what the word wants us to do. The word of God wants you and I to have a great relationship with the mirror of the word. Touch that when you're at work and they call for a meeting. You go to the mirror of the word and remind yourself who you really are. I'm blessed. I'm not intimidated. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Keep reminding. Keep looking in the mirror of the word throughout the day. The first thing you should do when you wake up is go to the mirror of the word. Remind yourself if, if you're still thinking the way you were thinking last night. And if not, line your thoughts up. Amen? And when you start lining your thoughts up with the mirror of the word, the next time someone says, who are you? The first thing you're going to quote is what you really look like in the spirit. And the world is trying to get you to relate to life based on what you look like in your body. Your sight, your circumstances. That's what the word, world is trying to do. All the fitness magazines or whatever magazines, they put out the beauty magazines. They're just trying to uh, make you spend more based on this. They'll tell you you are, you are too light. You need a tan. 
And then as you finish tanning, they'll say, ah, now you're too dark, you need to bleach. <laughs> and then you start the bleaching course when you're halfway, they say, ah, black is black. <laughs> and so if you're trying to live life based on this guy here, man, you're always going to be messed up. They're going to mess you up. Amen? You have to live your life based on what you look like in your spirit. He also says in John chapter number 1, uh, James chapter number 1, verse 21. I'm going to read this, and then we will close with uh, Matthew chapter number 7. He says in John, James chapter number 1, verse 21. He says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and all superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness... That word meekness means a teachable spirit. He says, receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. So the, the engrafted word of God is able to save your soul because when you got born again, your soul was not saved. What happened when you got born again was your spirit moved from death to life. Nothing happened to your soul. The only change that happens to your soul begins to happen as you walk out these things uh, uh, that we are talking about. As you receive the engrafted word, it says the engrafted word of God has the ability, the potential to save your soul, your mind, will, and your emotions. Amen? Man, that's powerful. And so when we go out into the streets, I know typically, traditionally, it's called soul winning. That's not soul winning. What we are going out to do is to activate dead spirits. Soul winning happens every single day. You come to church and we teach. We are winning your soul over. Because some of you, there's an argument. There's a wrestling that's taking place. And that's why the Apostle Paul would do what is called polemic preaching. He would always bring up an argument in his letters and wrestle that argument to bring up a point. Because he knew that same argument would be happening in people's soul. But when you receive that engrafted word, it is able to save, to bring salvation, sozo, to your soul. To bring a mind renewal to your soul. That's what soul salvation is. Soul salvation is the renewing of the mind. And so the word of God has to be at the center of your life, not as a religious object. Not as a religious practice to read uh, uh, a certain number of chapters a day. The word of God has to be at the center of your life. Not as the book that gives you rules and regulations. I used to think the Bible was just a collection of do's and don'ts. Just a collection of rules and regulations. Shall I drink? Shall I not drink? Shall I smoke? Shall I not? I'm allowed to smoke? Man, you won't find a verse about cigarettes. You know why? Because that's not the point. The Bible is a collection of promises. It's a, it's a will for God that he left for his children. So they can begin to uh, partake of his inheritance. Amen? It's not a collection of rules and regulations. It's a book of promises. So the Bible, man, when you start working it into your life, man, you're going to see some things change. Amen? Let's close with this. Uh, Matthew chapter number 7, uh, verse 24 to 29. Man, I'm hot. It's just me. Just me? You feel like I'm on a treadmill right now. Yeah. But someone was going to agree with me. Someone said in the first service, Basta, it's never too hot. 
in this weather. <laughs> saying, hey, this feels too hot. I said, no, it's never too hot. I was like, all right, I'll, I'll suffer. I'll suffer for Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It says in Matthew 7, verse 24 to 29, I'm reading in the Message Bible. This is Jesus speaking. Who's speaking? Jesus. Jesus. is not Pastor T. It's Jesus. And so this is what Jesus says about his word. And ask, you know, you know, working this word into our lives. He says, these words I speak to you, they are not incidental additions to your life. Homeowner improvements to your standards of living. They are foundational words. Someone say foundational words. He says, these are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on a solid rock. Rain poured down. The river flooded, a tornado hit, coronavirus came, COVID-19, and everything else that's coming in the future. It came, but nothing moved. Someone say nothing moved. There's nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. This is what happens when you take God's word and you work it into your life. Things will come, but your house... Is going to be fixed to the rock who is Jesus. Amen? Man, build your life on Jesus. Build your business on Jesus. Build your marriage on Jesus. Amen? And when you do, you will have a success in everything that you do. When these things come to try and uh, disrupt your life, man, they're not going to be successful. But what hap- watch what happens in verse 26. But if you just use my words in Bible studies... Oh, 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 did you see that? Oh, so there's a group of people that tend to use his words just in Bible studies. He just he doesn't want you to just use his words in Bibles. He wants you to ultimately work his words into your life. If you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you're like a what? I didn't hear that. You're like a what? <laughs> He said, you're like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. Well, let me assure you, brothers and sisters, when the house was built, there was nothing wrong with the house. The house probably was a nice two-story house with a master bedroom that's 512 square feet, air conditioning, two or three lounges, 12 bathrooms, scullery, Olympic-sized swimming pool. The house was nice when he built it. The only problem was where it was built. <laughs> the sandy beach. The marriage was great when they started. Everyone was ululating and whistling at the wedding. <laughs> Everyone had rice and chicken, celebrated, danced until their feet were sore. Nothing was wrong. They were both smiling. They looked each other in the eye and said, I do. And the other one said, I do. And they said, till death do us part. And we celebrated. And the priest at the end of the service said for them to turn around and say, now I present unto you, Mr. and Mrs. Our man, we danced our feet sore. (laughs) It was beautiful. My wife even shed a little tear. That's how sweet the love was. (laughs) I probably held it in. So it was beautiful. The only problem was where it was built. It wasn't built on Jesus. Amen? I said amen. Amen. And when you don't build it on Jesus, in fact, I was saying in the first service, I watched 
uh, a little video, someone sent it to me, of some famous uh, Hollywood couples, uh, uh, a couple that put out a video a few days ago uh, of their marriage. Uh, uh, they, take, uh, uh, they, they take turns to get in and out of marriage <laughs> at will. I was surprised. And this is a couple that we looked up to uh, growing up. We even celebrated their wedding. They put all the pictures out on the internet. All of us were proud of them getting married. But I couldn't believe what I was hearing. What happened? They just didn't build it on the rock. I mean, they were busy sitting there confessing. I mean, this one is going to shock you. They were confessing adultery to each other and still smiling. And what made it worse was the people on the internet. The people on the internet were cheering them on. Saying you can live this way. Go for it. It's a mess when a life is not founded on the rock. Can I get an amen? Amen. And it says here, when a storm rolled in and the waves came up, when coronavirus came, that house collapsed like a house of cards. That ministry collapsed like a house of cards because it wasn't founded on Jesus. It was founded on personalities. It was founded on a gift. It was founded on any, everything else except the rock who is Jesus. And I'm telling you, whatever you're doing, if you don't make the foundation of it, Jesus, man, it's, you, you're headed for a destruction. Can I get an amen? amen? And when Jesus concluded his address, verse 28 to 29, the crowd burst into applause. They had never heard a teaching like this. It was apparent that he was living everything he was saying. Quite a contrast to their religious teachers. This was the best teaching they had ever heard. Why don't you stand on your feet? Did that bless you? And that's awesome. Someone shout, I will make the word of God the center of my life. My true identity is founded in what God says about me. Not what people say about me. Not what the world says about me. Not what the magazines say about me. And some of you have limited yourself because you relate to life based on where you grew up. Based on what you have in your bank account. Based on who people say you are. Some of you, your nationality has been limiting you. Well, let me tell you, you are citizens of heaven. When you go out into the world, you are going out as an ambassador from heaven. And heaven backs you up. Amen? There's no better place to be than to be a child of God. And God has called you to start relating with your true identity. You know your South African ID? When you look at it, you're going to see your name, your surname. You're going to see your ID number. Which starts with your date of, uh, date of birth. I don't know why they did that. That's just funny. It's a, it's a, man, that's just ridiculous. What's your ID number? 1942. I, you know, I, <laughs> scrap, scrap it off. I don't want no date of birth on my <laughs> just messes it up, eh? How old are you? Some of you who are dating. How old are you? Well, I'm 18 years old. Well, what's your ID number? 1972. Ah, 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 ah. The mess. Man, as you read your ID number, 
all those things that you see on it. Man, I want to turn that around and tell you your true identity that you should become acquainted with. Just as you become acquainted with your ID, ID card is the word of God. Find out who you really are according to God's word. Man, make it a point every year to read from Romans through Jude. Find out what the scripture says, who you are, and where you are. Man, you're going to find out you're not even here. These things in the world aren't even supposed to mess with you. You're going to find out in Ephesians that right now you are seated in heavenly places, far above all principalities and power and might and every name that is named, not only in this world, but even in the world to come. And you're going to start to find out some really awesome stuff about you. You are awesome in God's eyes. Just need to find that out. Amen? And so this morning, I just thought to encourage you with this. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for these, your precious children. Lord, we thank you for their true identities found in you, nothing else. In you and in what Jesus calls them to be. If Jesus says they are blessed, they are blessed. If Jesus says they are healed, they are healed. If Jesus said they walk in total victory, they walk in total victory. It doesn't matter what their circumstances may say. Lord, we thank you that their true identity will be established in their hearts. And that as they go out of this building, they will not again suffer from a low self-esteem, identity crisis, but Father, that they will have a solid conviction of who they are in you. Lord, we thank you. And we give you all of the praise. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. And someone said, Amen and Amen and Amen and Amen. Someone shout, I am powerful. Yeah, someone shout, I am an overcomer. Amen. That's who you are. Someone said to me last week, hey, tomorrow, everybody wants to... Uh, be an overcomer, but no one wants to overcome something. Well, we're going to be overcomers, and we are going to overcome some stuff. So this week shall be your best week yet. Yay. Amen. In the middle of a global pandemic, we declare that this week will be your best week yet. We say yet because the following week will even be greater. Because the path of the righteous go brighter and brighter. We move from one level of glory to another. We love you. God bless you. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.